Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Collecting Issues, where this week we'll be taking a look at the Dark Phoenix saga from Marvel Comics Collecting Issues uh, 129 to 137 of the Uncanny X-Men run by the legendary creative team of Chris Claremont and John Byrne. You forgot to say first published. You always say first published. Do I? Yeah. First published in the 1980s. <laughs> the bloody 1980s, man. <laughs> Before even you were born. No, before even you were before born. Before even I was born. <laughs> I feel, Ben, you also note, failed to note that created by legendary sex weirdo Chris Claremont. <laughs> legendary bloody oddball. He's a real Chris sex Claremont. weirdo, but look, we'll get into that. This, this is going to be an interesting one, Mick, because we chose something intentionally older than both of us. <laughs> um, I didn't realise when I picked it up it was older than you. Marginally older than me, Ben. It is, by three years, Michael. Two years, Ben. Three years, Michael. Two years. I'm the one who knows how old I am. No, no, no. You were born in 1983, Michael. No, I wasn't. That's that's canon. That's canon. All right. 1983. You're like a Jonathan Hickman. You're just (laughs) retconning my whole existence. Tweaking all of it. Benjamin. Yes. Who even is this comic? Uh, well, this is probably, I think everybody knows this comic. If if not the original comic book, you've probably heard of it in a movie sense since then because it's been covered twice by the Marvel. At least twice. But by the Marvel Studios. Um, once by the original X-Men movies and it was Dark Phoenix. I think that's what it was called. Or Fe- what was it? End. What was it? X-Men End. <laughs> X-Men End. X-Men End. X-Men End. What was it? The Dark, was it the Dark, the End of the Dark's Phoenix. Welcome back to Professional Podcasting 101, um, where you can just take a stab in the dark as much as you like. It was the third in the, the trilogy of the Last original stand. Brian Singer X-Men Last Stand. Um, and it was a loose adaptation of Lucy Goosey. The Dark's Phoenix Saga. The Dark's Phoenix Saga is incredibly cosmic. Um, and Well, Ben, is it? Yes, it is. What is it? Well, well we'll get into that. We'll in get the, into that in a minute. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, and then it was it was much more recently adapted, Michael, in mm-hmm. the very ill-fated 2019 yeah. Dark Phoenix adaptation with the new X-Men first yeah, class no. kind of continuity. Not great. Bloody messy stuff, Michael. Mm, not great. Messy stuff. A flop yeah, by yeah, anyone's you standards. Yeah, you will. Ben, also, you know, adapted in the legendary 19... 80s, 90s, 90s X-Men cartoon based 90s. on Linda the Policewoman. Linda the Policewoman. Um, Linda. Linda. Look, if you don't know what that's about, you're going to have to go look that up. Um, but also, Ben, adapted in nearly every incarnation of X-Men. Yeah, it's a staple. Yeah, the X-Men Evolution comics, I think they did a version of it. The Ultimate X-Men, Marvel's kind of edgy relaunch in the early 2000s, yeah. they did a version they of it. They gave it a whirl. Yeah, so every, basically... If the X-Men are around long enough, you're going to get some version of this story. Yeah, provided that it's it's, it's allowed by Marvel at some point. And the, que- the question is, though, Ben, is why does it keep coming back? Um, I would imagine... Go on. It comes back because it's so dramatic, Michael. Is it? It's such a big moment. There's Go such, on. I think one of the most interesting things here, Michael, is for me, who doesn't read a lot of older comic books, no, Michael... No, you're, you're very uh, post-millennial. Um, this is... This is a jarring difference between modern writing and comic books and what people got away with back in the day. Um, there's on, so much drama, Michael. Let, let's begin, Michael. All right. Let's begin right. with a little bit of casual racial stereotyping. Oh, we're starting with casual racial stereotyping. Oh, right? Michael, it okay. abounds. No, we're not, we, we're not even going to talk about the plot. We're we'll going to go okay, straight into do, the racism. Let's do the beats. Let's do the beats of the plot and, right. and cover that. So if you haven't read it, ladies and gentlemen, you shouldn't be listening to this podcast. Yeah, that's not what this is for. It's a book club for <laughs> people who've read club. the comic. What are you doing? Go read the comic and get back to us. That's very aggressive. Um, anyway, it starts, Michael. Yeah. 
on Muir Muir Muir, Muir, Muir Island yeah. uh, off the coast of Scotland yeah. uh, which is a famous kind of X-Men staple as well mm-hmm. it's where Dr. Moira McTaggart Moira McTaggart r- runs our little centre for, for the deformed mutants oh, I don't know if that's what they say the, <laughs> the, the ugly mutants uh, right, that uh, can't pass for human uh, oh, so they get right. shipped off to a little Scottish island yeah. um, and there's a, a parting of the ways Michael mm-hmm. a parting of the ways taking place Banshee um, also known as Sean Cassidy yeah. um, is he's, he's lost his old Banshee Holler. He got a sore throat. Got a sore throat. He's got a bit of laryngitis, a bit like of strep throat. Both of us. <laughs> like both of us almost all of the yeah. time. Um and he's gonna stay on the island and the X Men are like, ah no, Sean, don't don't go. Now Ben, I'm just gonna interrupt you very briefly. Just I mean, this is more of a podcast discussion. Go on. This could have been an off air discussion. But you've spent so long describing there something that happens essentially in one panel <laughs> that if you keep that pace, we're going to be here for four hours. Welcome to the four hour deep dive on X Men Dark Phoenix. Anyway, we move on from there. We see all the goodbyes and stuff like that. Oh uh, <laughs> Come on, get to the point. Get to the point. And then we're introduced to a problem that Jean Grey has been having. Right. Um, she thinks that she's time traveling. <laughs> you listen your voice. Yeah. She thinks that she's time traveling. Yeah. Um, when she's actually being manipulated by a, a kind of classic X Men creep. I think that Chris Claremont sees himself as Jason Wingard. Yeah, he's kind of like a mind controlling sex weirdo. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think if if we had to pick a character. Chris Claremont most identifies with in this run it's Jason Wingard Jason Wingard yeah who can who is telepathic in this but traditionally has illusions well, yeah well I mean he's he's very specifically stated not to be telepathic yeah and it turns out there's some doodad yeah there's that a thing that's broken. enhancing yeah, his, his powers nonsense. or something anyway he's been he's been kind of gaslighting basically um, Jean Grey yeah um, and making her think that she's a time traveling ancestor. Time traveling ancestor who's in love with Jason Wingard's ancestor. Which is so weird. Oh, he's a sex controlling mind freak. Um, and Jason Wingard is currently uh, a member of the Hellfire Club, which later mm-hmm. became a, a huge staple of the X Men. Yeah. They're always running up against the bloody Hellfire lads. This is this comic is the introduction of the Hellfire Club. I think isn't it is it? the introduction of the Hellfire Club. This is an introduction of quite a few things. That's mm-hmm. a very interesting. Go on with the plot, and then we'll get back to like the influence. But um, fucking speed it up. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's turning things around. Jean's a bit at sea mentally. Yeah. Um, and t- literally because she's on a ship. And literally, it's the reintroduction of later on. They land in Professor X, and Professor X is there, and Professor X is a bit of a dickhead for no reason whatsoever. Always he's, has been. He, always he's, will be. He's a pushy bloody petulant child who's putting the X-Men through their paces and Scott's like uh, and I did all this back off um, I sorted out the team and he's like no you didn't no you didn't my team back off bald dad <laughs> back off. just take it easy there pops yeah. um, okay boomer it's literally probably yeah, the first instance of oh, okay boomer well, I think Scott's probably a boomer isn't he he is now yeah, yeah. Um, anyway that moves on from there the X-Men get a, an El Cerebro blip um, mm-hmm. And it's only a bloody trap, Michael. Yeah. Set by the Hellfire Club themselves, and they go and they respond to this. And it's Dazzler. Dazzler. Well, it's, again, it doesn't really matter. The point of the matter, <laughs> the point of the matter is that Jean is slowly going mad mm. because Jason Wingard wants her to be the Black Queen of the Hellfire Club. Yes, and he's kind of manipulating her into becoming the Black Queen. And he knows she's powerful, but he's not quite aware of how, quite how powerful she is, and that there's a greater cosmic power just waiting there <laughs> residing within trapped within her fragile female mind oh that's not me oh, that's Chris know, Claremont yeah, we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> don't you Chris, worry that's, that's coming my that's bloody Chris Claremont that's coming so anyway the, the the majority of this book is about the X-Men battling the the black 
not the Black, the, the Knights of the Hellfire Club, the, the inner circle of the yeah. Hellfire Club for basically the soul of Jean Grey. Yeah. The, so as you said earlier, you said this is very cosmic, but only the last bit. Only the last little bit. I, I would argue, Michael, that yeah. the first part is the more interesting part anyway. The, the cosmic stuff is a bit... It gets very dark, Michael. Well, because I think the cosmic stuff is great, but the cosmic stuff, you know, all of the classic dark phoenix stuff, the red suit, the eating a star, the blowing up a spaceship, the battle on the, the moon. Killing an entire planet. The killing an entire race. The All of that happens in a single issue. Yeah. And that's not... If you didn't know this story very well, you may well pick this up and be three quarters of the way through it going... This is the wrong comic. That's what surprised me, Michael. I've got the wrong comic here. I thought she goes to space. Yeah, I did have that reaction. Why is she in fetish wear in New York? What's going on? What's going on? Why is Warren Worthington using his money and affluence instead of his powers? What's what's going on? What's going on here? So anyway, we we, we can look a little bit more closely at that Hellfire Club end of things. They're just a rich bunch of dickheads, Michael. Yeah, and mutants. And mutants. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, uh, they get bloody... Well... Scott tries to infiltrate them by getting Warren Worthington to kind of use his flash the cash a little mm-hmm. bit and get them an invite. But it's only a bloody, another ruse, Michael. And yeah. they, they get trapped and then it turns out that all the gaslighting that Jason Wingard's been doing works. Yeah. And Jean Grey's just there going, right, give me a pair of sexy boots there, please. Yeah. An old cape. And an old corset. We'll get that, get that on me. Get did that you, on me. Did you know that her outfit is more or less exactly the outfit that Emma Peel wears in an episode of The Avengers, the original British Avengers. Well, I think I did know that because you've mentioned that before. Yeah. Um, it's almost exactly. I can't remember what it's called. It's not called the Hellfire Club. It's called something like the Heck Inferno Club. It's the like. Chris Claremont formative club. <laughs> it is. It's Chris Claremont watched it as a young man. Look, Ben, we've all been there. He watched it as a young Look. man and he said, in 20 years, I'm going to write a blooming comic all about, <laughs> all about, this lady. All about putting an innocent lady into this bloody outfit. <laughs> and then she'll go mad because she's got a frail female mind <laughs> ah, I got it yeah. gold gold Michael uh, so we keep talking about Chris Claremont Michael yeah, um, we're, we're going to have to get into that a little bit yes um, right so there are a number of things here that probably set it apart as an older comic Michael yes um, female representation being one of the biggest <laughs> in the set go on there's some controversial things going on here I think it would be fair to say Michael that Chris Claremont is a bit of a sex pest I don't know if he's a sex pest in real life he, he might be a perfectly respectable gentleman he, I've never heard a rumour that but no he doesn't do anything weird I don't think yeah. that's fair he's not I a sex pest I've never heard a rumour that Chris Claremont will touch your bottom but he enjoys a, a BDSM aesthetic he does he likes a he likes a lady who'll stand on him yeah a bondage yes <laughs> um, you and I did a quick Twitter search earlier Tentacles are a thing in Chris Claremont's world. There are no tentacles in this. Uh, There are no tentacles in this. This, I think, Michael, you had the perfect comment earlier. You said this is early Chris Claremont. These are the seeds of future Chris Claremont. I don't think this is early Chris Claremont. Well, yes, I see what you're saying. I don't think these are the seeds, though. I think all the weird stuff is still there. This is it slowly creeping out. Ah, okay. This is not quite the psychosexual nightmare that later Chris Claremont things are. But, I mean, there is some definite... Odd sex, odd sex stuff is the driving force of this book. There's a lot of female subjugation. There is a lot of female subjugation. A lot of female subjugation. Often, Ben, it's Storm. Storm loses a lot of fights and she gets tied up a lot. She gets put in a cage. She gets put on a cross. She gets dragged around by the hair a good bit. Yeah, there's it, one point where she's dressed up as a slave, and someone oh, slaps her with I a whip. And don't says, know how I feel about that. Be quiet, slave. It's. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of female sub. Yeah, I know. You don't need to show me, Ben. I've seen it. I know. I'm just enjoying doing this, um, leafing through. Like, even to be fair, 
to Go be on. fair, yes. the men also have a lot of sexualization going on. There is. And I mean, I don't think that it's unfair to say that Wolverine spends more time in this shirtless than he had up to that point. Also Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> Buy a shirt, Sebastian Shaw. <laughs> That's Sebastian Shaw's superpower is strutting around with no hint of a cold. Yeah. <laughs> shirtless. With, a, with a, a cumberbatch. No, not a cumberbatch. Cumberbund. A cumberbund and no top on. It's bloody and hot. <laughs> He is Ben To quote a modern People's vernacular He's thick He's got That hefty thick. dad bod Going on Two C's Yeah Two he, C's um, But he'll grab Storm And he'll put her in an arm lock And knock her out Oh he did it oh, there's, yeah. there's a lot of that going and on And then she'll get tied up again And then it's interesting Because later Jean Grey takes away Colossus's powers mm. So he loses his metal And he's just a bloody Topless Colossus He's a topless man It's a psychosexual nightmare so <laughs> Wolverine is like a Sexy carpet Running around With no top on <laughs> Oh no, look at me, I've got no top on, I'm so hairy. Ooh. Yeah. It looks like I still have a top on. Yeah. I'm a sexy Canadian carpet. Yeah, I would almost guarantee that Chris Claremont refers to Hugh Jackman as Huge Jackman. I don't, oh, excuse me. I, <laughs> sorry. I don't know, I, I suspect that some of that is John Byrne. I suspect John Byrne said, if you're going to make me draw all this sex stuff, I'm putting Wolverine in with no shit. Boy, they're going to be sexy. Oh boy, yeah, it's going to be sexy. I think him and John Byrne get on very well. I, I think, I think... I would imagine that John Byrne's like, but what if I put them in a cage? And Chris is like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, 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 Let's yeah, go yeah, put yeah, them in a yeah. cage. Yeah, put, put them, them the cage. in cages too put so them people in don't realise what are at. Um, but even if we move past the the um, the subjugation of women on a physical level here, yeah. Michael, and the exploitation of the female form yeah. in this comic, we could probably take a look at the uh, hysterical female mind that you... Oh, uh, well, you can't bloody... <laughs> you can't trust them. They're no good. They're so frail. They're so frail. Such unstable creatures. Oh, God. Come. So much power, but so frail. I mean, Jean, Jean Grey just, she oscillates between the most powerful cosmic force in the universe um, and, oh God, I'm so torn. Well, isn't it, isn't it ironic that she's the most powerful cosmic force in the universe, but she is still just a frail young woman. A frail who, young lady. A victim, she's a victim of her own power. I, I think what I enjoy the most about that, Michael, is when she goes to visit her family. There's mm. a section where she kind of drops in on the family and um, she, she has her, her parents turn around to her and they're like, oh, are you eating enough? Yeah, like, that's good. I like that. There's, there's her something par- clearly wrong with Jean Grey. Her parents Grey. must be uh, Irish. <laughs> are you eating are enough? Are you eating enough? Look very thin. Like, uh, mother, and they're like, have you what's seen with this costume? It's a yeah. bit scandalous. Yeah, have you seen this costume I have to wear, mother? I can't eat. I have an apple. I'm intermittent fasting. <laughs> I'm on the bloody 24 yeah, ratio of intermittent fasting. Yeah, and then her father is like, you're no daughter of mine. I, I cast you out. It's just I cast you out. Did people say I cast you out in the 80s? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> That's what I mean. Sometimes the dialogue here, Michael, is just shocking. Look, Ben, here's another thing we should talk about. Go on. These characters are real throwbacks to the early X-Men. Yes. And they've come along... The X-Men have changed a lot. This is really focused on... They are young people. Mm. Like, Jean Grey, I think, is 24 in this. She's only a baby. Yes, they're young. They're they're not teenagers anymore, as they're wont to point out. But they're youngins. But they are young, and they keep being called young, and the people are like, these bloody interfering young people, and they're all pretty damn young. Like, they're young enough that... uh, That Kitty Pride Shadow Cat... uh, What's her name? Sprite. Sprite. She has what, several. What, that she, it's not too creepy that she finds Colossus attractive. Yeah, we, we, we just managed that. A little that. bit creepy. We little just, bit creepy. It's a little bit Tiny weird. bit creepy. Look. But, you know who else is young in this? 
Wolverine. Wolverine's supposed to be quite a young man. Isn't it in interesting? This. Yeah. There's a section at the beginning, Michael, in the danger room. Where he's having a strop. He's, ha- he's having a proper strop as well. And he's like, I'm not a kid anymore, Charles Xavier, you son of a bitch. Chrome Dome, I believe is what he calls Does it. Does he call him Chrome, Chrome Dome? Chrome Dome, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I'll read it here. You read it. Do it in a Wolverine Wolverine! Voice, where are you going? Wolverine! Wait, hold on a second. You started off doing Charles Xavier. That's Charles Xavier. But you did it in Wolverine's voice. Oh, okay. So start as Charles Xavier. Wolverine. Yes. Where are you going? Yes, Wolverine. Yes. And then Cyclops says, ease up, mister. What's going on in there? Very good, yeah. And then we have, of course, I'm no kid anymore, Summers, and I'm so flaming amateur. So where does Chrome Dome get off treating me like one? Mm-hmm. You tell Xavier that I told you, bub. Wolverine don't jump through hoops for nobody. Now, I don't know why I made Wolverine from Brooklyn. But yeah, I did. what happened there? What happened to Wolverine? I did. But anyway... This is clearly before Wolverine. This, in many ways, yeah. So anyway, look, I'm, I'm shooting my own load there too early. Like Chris Claremont writing this, oh. Um, <laughs> oh, no. uh, like the the characters are not the characters quite that we know today. This is pre Weapon X. Yeah, this is like in a lot of ways. Shall we get into Wolverine a little bit? Or do you want to talk oh, I think about we kind of have to. I mean, the Uncanny X-Men introduces to Wolverine as a weapon of the Canadian government. Yeah, okay. Let's get into Wolverine a little bit. This is clearly... And I mean, this isn't me having insight here. This is just a fact. This is before a lot of the defining characteristics that we know of Wolverine today yeah. existed. Mm. So he's just a... He's one of the team. He's hes not a grizzled old veteran in this. No, not at all. He apparently appears to be like a, a hairy 24-year-old. It's pretty hairy. A hairy, creepy 24-year-old. Pretty creepy. We all know one. We won't call him Mick. No, we won't. But no. we, we all know one. <laughs> we all know one. We all know but one. he... He doesn't have that, the the really troubled past. No, the none of that memories, there. or he's just a weird, hairy twenty-four-year-old who's sick of being treated like a child. Which is, you know, fair. And Ben, <laughs> you sent me a text during the week. There's a very iconic panel in this, and I'm stealing this from somewhere. Ben, like the creators of the X-Men animated series, stole the theme tune from Linda Policewoman. In Hungary, I read this twenty years ago. Okay, so I'm stealing this from somewhere. But I don't know from where. Okay. But the panel where the, the fat man with the gravity powers. Leland? I'm not sure. I think it's Leland. I don't know where he so is. So Leland crashes Wolverine through the floor. And they all think he's done for. Then they beat all the X-Men. They beat up Storm. Like rough, roughly carrying her around and then throw her by in a the pile. Hair. Yeah, by the hair. And then throw her in a pile. That's the one. That's yeah. very apt. Yeah. So they've beaten everyone. Wolverine has been disposed of and then we'll we'll see at the end of the episode the issue uh, we see the water down under the ground not there no Harry Leland yeah I know I know. I I was pretending not to know oh sorry Uh, we see yes there's the page there it is so we see like a sewer and there's water and then a hand pops up and then Wolverine it's Wolverine's hand and he grabs it and he pulls himself out of the thing and he says you had your shot now it's my turn or something like that now it's my turn that for many people Ben that's the birth of the character of Wolverine that we know and love today. Definitive Wolverine. That is, that that panel there is the birth of modern Wolverine. Oh, okay. Very formative. Yes. Very and formative. Like, easy to miss because we have such, these days we have such a strong view of what Wolverine is. But that's where it comes from. Oh. So it's, it's for those of you who may have picked up the X-Men Dark Phoenix Saga Milestones Edition. Oh, this isn't the Milestones Edition. Which one is this? I don't know. Anyway, 
It's the fifth reprinting of the <laughs> X-Men uh, Dark Phoenix Saga. And it's on page 75. Yeah, if you're looking but for it, it. I mean, it's the end of the issue. It's The next issue is called Wolverine Alone or something like that. Wolverine Alone. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so the end of the issue before that is the defining Wolverine panel in Wolverine history. One of the things that I enjoyed most about this, Michael, is that we actually see the full covers in between each I know, issue. Good, isn't it? I, I like quite it. enjoyed that. Because sometimes, Michael, mm-hmm. a Marvel trade paperback will be a bit skimpy. Uh, yeah, there's lots of extra bonus stuff There's in this. lots of bonus content in this for no, a change. Uh, no, nah, there's not lots. There's no uh, director's commentary or anything like that. It's just covers. But it's not bad. There's a few little layout pages. Yeah, layout pages. Oh, look, the kinky layout pages. Oh, look, yeah. Look, look, oh, there's Storm look, getting beaten up again. Down here. Down here. <laughs> he just like, his buttocks is thick. Sebastian oh, yeah. Shaw is thick, maybe with three C's, Michael. Yeah. And You're he's not, going bold. So and he's going bold. Testosterone. Maybe that's just to show he's much older than 24-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Unless we find out later that Sebastian Shaw is actually a really, really thick 26-year-old. Pretty <laughs> good. Also, the mutton chops on that uh, on on Jason Wingard are pretty good, too. Exactly. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of it. He's a weird fetishist. We'll, we'll have to come back, Michael, to, uh, I suppose, dialogue again. Um, go on. And I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, and you didn't let me go away with it. Um, some of the dialogue, Michael. Oh, yeah, go on. That, that pops out. Some of the racial profiling. Um, Banshee. Just yeah. at the beginning of this. Oh, we talk like that though. May may the devil no. May you be dead a full half hour before the devil knows you're gone. Get to heaven. May you be in heaven a full half hour before the devil knows you're dead. There you go. You I got it in the end. I think that is an Irish phrase, though. <laughs> I know, but my people God. do say that. People say that to me all the time. What, no, it's they don't. Fuck you and go to hell. <laughs> yeah, fuck you yeah, and go sorry, to hell. That, that's I more accurate. It, I got it wrong. Um, one of my favorite ones is as always. Bloody Colossus. Mm-hmm. Lenin's ghost is one of his catchphrases. <laughs> Lenin's ghost. <laughs> and Boizhmoy, which yeah. is the one that he always kind of lashes out. And Kurt Wagner is just amazing. They have the V instead of the E in a lot of the phrases. Yeah, very good. <laughs> it's just... It's all very good. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's just it's just really weird. Isn't an interesting thing about this as well, Ben, how relatively low-powered all the X-Men are? Yeah, they're not like, that strong. Yeah, like Nightcrawler hurts himself. He hurts his hand punching some guards. Mm. Uh, Colossus nearly gets overpowered by a mere robot. A mere like, robot. All of these characters now have become almost, almost omega level elemental powerhouses. Mm. Like Nightcrawler has access to a whole other dimension. Yeah, because his powers—he's not actually a mutant. He's, he's kind of a demon a half hybrid, a demon thing. angel thing. Yeah, and like and. Colossus has potentially unlimited strength and Storm is psionic power. Like, she can just do a bit of wind. He's metal. He can do a teleport. They have basic powers. And there's no doubt in this that the ex- that the Avengers would wipe the floor with them. Yeah, they would. The, there's no doubt. Comfortably. Yeah. Spider-Man could probably wipe the floor with a few of them. Because they're just bloody young adults... And as we know, Michael, young adults are not organised. Bloody useless. useless. Can't bloody show up on time for a meeting. Can't, uh, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you in particular. You're not a young adult anymore. You were no, probably, I'm you old were, now. When we started this podcast, you were probably the age that the X-Men are. In yeah, time. when we started this podcast. Yeah. And like, I mean, go back and listen to that. See how annoyed I am at Ben's timekeeping. <laughs> anyway, moving on from there. It's interesting because, as you said, a lot of the characteristics of the X-Men that we know today aren't here. No. Um. Another one that would be quite keen to look at is is Cyclops. Yeah. He's not the the kind of tactical conniving down conniving down to earth guy that he is in the new comics. No, um, he's quite unsure. He's yeah. got unsteady footing, and he's challenged by bloody dickhead Charlie in the wheelchair. He is. He's young and in love. He's young and in love, and he he's uh, oh there's a there's a little um, there's a little throwback to um, Connie Wu from. Um, 
not Connie Wu. Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. That was a Connie Colleen Wu. Wing. Uh, Colleen Wing. Apparently Connie he was dating Wu? her there for a second. He was like, no, I wasn't dating her, Jean, because I love you. And I they have this you, big Jean. melodramatic. She doesn't even have red hair. The melodrama yeah. in this is, is astounding, Michael. I know. I, it, it's just phenomenal. You see, I think, Ben, that you didn't really particularly like this. but I didn't. But That's interesting you know. because you have to look at this. This is a creative flippin' explosion. Yeah. The ideas that are in these 12 issues. Is it 12 issues? Uh, I'm not good at maths. 129 to 137? Yeah, so... No, it's eight issues, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, eight But issues. the ideas in these eight issues, I mean, by God, man, what an explosion of... Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like, Ben, 40 years later, we're still dealing with Sebastian Shaw, Emma Frost... Harry Leland. Emma Frost the became Hellfire. huge. Emma Frost. The Hellfire Club. Kitty Pride, Dazzler. Um, the whole concept of Dark Fiend. All of this stuff happens in these eight issues. In modern comics, each one of those points would be an eight-issue run. Yeah. And not only that, Ben. This wasn't designed to be a collected series, a graphic novel. Like a no, lot of comics are now. It so was a run. There are, it's part of a run. It's a legendary part of a run. But there are other threads running through this, which, if you just read this as a collected edition thing, they don't make a lot of sense. Mm. A lot of time and energy is invested into introducing the character of Catherine Pride and Dazzler. Yeah. And then they're gone. Like, what was the point of them? You know, well, I mean, Kitty Pride became huge later. I know she does, yeah. obviously, but I'm saying if you were to read this as a collected, collected issue, yeah. a modern comic wouldn't bloody do that. No, they not at all. They wouldn't invest so much time in introducing a new character. And just toss it aside. And then toss them aside, with the, probably the plan of coming, them ba- coming back later. But in a modern comic, she would have been instrumental in the ending of yeah. this. Mm. Her and Dazzler would have both been very important. Mm. But no, they're like characters in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Bit throwaway. Introduced and thrown away. Mm. Now, they both go on to be very big characters in X-Men Legend, but... I mean, White Queen dies in this. Yeah. Her first ever death. Yeah. Um, But she obviously doesn't. She She obviously doesn't, because she's bloody central to the X-Men now. Yeah, she gets better. Could be argued that she is Scott Summers' greatest love. She has now surpassed Jean Grey. This whole thing of um, Wolverine. Wolverine getting thrown down into the basement, nearly drowning coming back up on his own against all odds, being scrappy, like getting beaten up by all the guys with bludges. Yeah. You know when we were watching that bit where he's getting beaten up with all yeah. the guys with bludges and we are going, it's Wolverine, he'll be fine. We didn't know that then. Didn't know that then. Then that was a bloody formative Wolverine moment of, yeah. oh, they've got him. And then he comes in with them all dragging off him and he's like, oh, I'm going to get I'm you. I'm going to get you. Oh my God. <laughs> such, such prowess. Such And... The bit where they all get chained up with the arms behind oh, the back yeah. and Cyclops has the gimp hood on. Yeah, what the hell? What's going what's on? What's going on, Chris? Chris? Come on, Chris. Chris. Jesus. Chris, baby, you're killing me. Why is Can you just imagine Stan Lee reading that and be like, well, this is different from my comics. <laughs> I don't hate it, but my God. <laughs> Can I read it in my room? <laughs> on my own? Close my office door. <laughs> Close my office door, uh, Jack. Do you think that's the noise he made when he finished? Excelsior! Oh, I don't want to talk about that now, to be honest with you. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's a veritable smorgasbord, an explosion of ideas and concepts. Yeah, it is. The likes of which we don't, I feel, see in comics anymore. Well, you probably wouldn't. Um, we, I mean, I, I made a note there, Michael, earlier. We have a new run of the X-Men now at the minute. You did. Um, it's a new Hickman run. And yeah. he's really do, well, he's doing it. He's pulling a classic Hickman, Michael. Oh, classic There's a lot Hickman. of retconning and stuff like that. He likes retconning. Um, but it's it's funny. The dynamics that are established here with the X-Men work very well as a team and mm-hmm. they're kind of very bonded together has been reintroduced because the X-Men have been schismed uh, for a long time, yeah. mainly due to the fact that Marvel couldn't get the rights back to the X-Men. And yeah, just that, like, well, that hurt. That hurts the X-Men. Let's, let's phase those, those fuckers out. Yeah, so. let's get the Inhumans. People love the Inhumans. No. They don't. They don't. Uh, and now we are seeing that reintroduction and I guess Jonathan Hickman's been brought on board. He's like, come on. Make it golden again, do a, baby. Do a House of X for us. Do, do a House of... Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, and we're getting that redefinition of powers. Those central kind of core characteristics for different characters are being brought back as well. But it's very strange. There's a real Claremont energy to the new... Is everyone always getting tied X-Men up? X-Men. Yeah. How are they? Kind of. There's a lot of tying up. But there's a lot of unusual alliances um, Apocalypse is now on the X-Men's team right um, there's a lot of strange concepts just brought in so what you said about like a huge creative kind of outburst is kind of being reaffirmed in the new X-Men run um, which is really interesting to read I think you might really enjoy Michael I the new X-Men run um, Apocalypse very good. I don't know if he, if I would though because you see I don't think that's a creative explosion in the same way because you've just said believe it or not Apocalypse is an X-Man now. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not creative. That's just, uh, let's put Apocalypse there. That's like classic okay. Hickman. And I'm, a, I'm as big a Hickman fan as anyone, Ben. There's a whole collection of the Invincible comics there. Yes. That's probably... That's not Hickman. Oh, no, that's not Hickman. That's uh, Kirkman. So many men. So many men yeah. working comics. But I do like a Hickman. Um, I enjoyed... I got you, I believe, onto the... What was that one called that we can never remember what it's called? Where the universe ended? Oh God! The the white events and the I can't the, remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't Battle remember. World, all that. Jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I can't remember what it is. Um, we also did East of West at one point. Yeah, we covered East of West here. Yeah, in you know, I don't think that's as creative as this. This is like here's a new character. I like this one. She can go through the floor. Here's a new character. She does a disco. Uh, now she, the, she, she does a disco She does a disco. Now we're off here. Look at these people. They're all in fetish gear. Look at this guy. He's fat, but he'll make you heavy. <laughs> he's happy to make you heavy he ain't yeah. heavy yeah this guy's he's got a robot he's got a robot arm and he's running away um, so you know what I mean there's lots there's so much going on in this so that's pretty much why it's such a formative thing then it's just really playing around with some concepts and then Ben bloody suddenly we're in space yeah then we have the cosmic odyssey of it's such a dark moment one of my one of my favourite uh, panels from when I began reading this was uh, little do they know yeah. Of the oncoming oncoming Holocaust. Yeah, Holocaust is a Which is just a strong story. term to yeah. throw into an eighties comic. That's uh-huh. a fresh memory in the eighties. Um I think it's the impending Holocaust, mm-hmm. is it? Uh the calm before the Holocaust yeah. is the quote. Ooh. But there's a Holocaust. She and there is a bloody she Holocaust. She kills a whole race. She destroys an entire planet for the yeah. bants. Yeah. Because she's a bit peckish. She's peckish. Because she's, she's a frail woman, you know. Women very powerful, but very emotionally. Oh, hangry in women. <laughs> oh, 
Ooh, buddy. <laughs> Ooh, boy. This whole thing should have been called Hangry Jean Grey. Hangry <laughs> Jean Grey. Can we just point out here, Ben, just for... Uh, we're making fun of this. We're making fun of this because it's quite funny to yeah. see that kind of characterization. We don't support it and we don't think it's a good idea. There's Colossus in his underpants. He does. He transforms the minute he wakes up. Yeah. It's his morning wood. I like how Colossus wakes up like, oh, I have a bit of a stretch and Storm wakes up all sexy. She's like a feline cat. And like, mm, in woman form. And bloody lion. Look, there's a, not, there's a lot of uh, racial stereotypes. There's a lot of ethno stereotypes going around. Oh, we forgot about her. Which we forgot one? about when Storm fights the lady with the whip. A whip lady. Yeah, and gets choked out by her. Again. <laughs> Again. Again. Leave Storm alone, Claremont. <laughs> Leave Storm's windpipe alone. God, like the when- trauma. I like when Colossus fights Gladiator. Yeah, that's quite enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's quite enjoyable. He gets a whooping. Um, Gladiator is not a key character in this story. Though. No, he's not huge as he is later. Um, but anyway, Michael, well, oh, we, yeah, we're coming to the end of our time here. Yeah. And we've, we've really covered why it's formative. If people like this Chris Claremont sexy goodness... We didn't really talk about Johnny B very much. Johnny B. John Byrne's art is... is I, to me, yeah. this is like the definitive X-Men. This is the X-Men I think of when I think of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. That uh, that kind of spandex-covered Cyclops with a little band. Yeah. Um, one of the first comics I ever read, Michael, was yeah. a reprinting of the Uncanny X-Men number one with the new team. I like Jean Grey in that panel. Um, that is that is prime McLeanard Jean Grey. Um, <laughs> um, and the, the the formative X-Men for me was that Uncanny X-Men number one. And John Byrne was the artist. I'm not sure if Chris, if Chris Claremont was the writer. Did anyone get tied up or mind controlled? Uh, I don't think so. Mm, probably not then. I don't think so. Um, but this was where I was introduced to. This is where the original X-Men get captured on Krakoa. Oh. And bloody Charles Xavier, rather than go do something about himself, is like, I'll just get a new bunch get of young fellas. New bunch of lads, yeah, new bunch of um, gang of lads. So, this is where we were introduced to Colossus, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And that for me was formative. Uh, when I think of the X Men, I still think the love of Scott Summer's life is Jean Grey. Jean! When realistically, yeah. that's probably not true. No, anymore. it's just mutant kind. It's just mutant kind. Yeah, mutant kind is his love. He has a real love of mutant kind. Yeah, he's not as much of a prick in this. He's not. He's the main character in this, you could argue. Well, Jean, obviously, but I mean, he's uh, the main no, character in any sort of agency. He's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jean oh, is the main fuck. plot device. Oh, God. Puppet Jean Grey. Oh, it's um, bizarre. Anyway. If they enjoyed the sexy goodness, Michael, what yeah. other sexy Claremont goodness could they get into? What is it? Well, I don't know. What else did Claremont write? There's a lot of tentacle stuff. Look, we're going to stay away from Claremont. If you enjoyed this kind of classic Look, I don't, X-Men... No, hold on. Look, hold on. I'm going to I'm going to stop you there. We've been we've been taking the piss out of Chris Claremont because <laughs> his sexual fetishes are just so close to the Legendary. <laughs> Legendary. But he does write a lot of good stuff. There's so much good stuff in this. Yeah. Take a look at the whole Uncanny X-Men run before the tentacle stuff <laughs> um, and see what you think. It's it's really classic archetypal X-Men stuff. There's a lot of formative moments where they, they kind of get these archetypes this that we all know and love. definition of the X-Men. Yeah. When you're reading this, you're watching the X-Men being defined and it's very easy to look back nearly 40 years later and go, oh, so hokey, so hokey. <laughs> look how he doesn't really respect women. And I mean, it is all quite, but there's so much good stuff here juicy like, juicy X-Men you're goodness. watching Wolverine the character of Wolverine one of the defining characters of the early 20th century pop culture landscape yes fair well, I'm glad I got that out in one that was sentence. that was excellent you're watching the formation the definition of that character what makes that character badass I know mm. and Jean Grey Ben for for all that you could say about her this is her greatest story 
It's the thing that defines her it's for her the rest defining, of her arc. Yeah, this is the defining Jean Grey story. In in the same way as as, as Superman is the last son of Krypton, Jean Grey yeah. is the tragic Dark Phoenix. Yep, that's her def, def, definition. And they default keep bringing her back and like get her, stop it. <laughs> this I, I think this is a great comic. If you can look at it and go. He really does like when women get subjugated and mind controlled. If you can just look at it and go, "All right, we'll just oh, put that aside for a thing. second. We'll just put that aside for a second. That it was fine in the eighties. <laughs> He's still like that though, so it doesn't. But that was fine. That's all good. You can do whatever you like. If you if you can separate that from it, there's so much goodness in this, and there's a reason why forty years later, it's still one of the defining moments in in, in popular comic culture it's great so you know I won't have a bad word said about it I think you could also probably take a look at the X-Men animated series that we mentioned earlier for those kind of classic archetypal X-Men well I mean that is this story retold without a lot of the psychosexual stuff but it's psychosexual stuff and with a happy ending yeah exactly so we'll we'll, Excelsior we'll throw that (laughs) Excelsior um, we'll throw that in there Um, I'm not sure what else to recommend here Michael well just go and read some bloody classic Claremont X-Men Claremont Is it Claremont do God kills Man man, man loves God kills I think that was God loves Claremont. man kills And then there's Fall of the Mutants Which is fairly yeah, Formative I mean, That's the um, That's when the Horsemen of Apocalypse Are kind of introduced Yeah and that kind of thing. I mean there's lots of Good stuff in there And you're really seeing The d- defining The defining of these characters As we know and love them today <laughs> So that's it from us For this week What are you laughing at? That was an excellent Final line there from Michael Oh you're really um, laughing at me Making you feel secure If you want <laughs> Just enjoy the excitement That Occasionally ladies and gentlemen You won't get to see this But Mick takes on A kind of childlike glee When talking about Old runs on comics I've got my action figures It's quite enjoyable to watch Oh my god I am cut Wagner Oh god Um, Which racial stereotypes Do you think we missed On this week's podcast (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen Um, Did you enjoy Were you formed By the Chris Claremont X-Men Did you enjoy The Chris Claremont run On X-Men What other recommendations Would you you have Ladies and gentlemen We bring this podcast out Every two weeks We are always looking For recommendations So if you have a comic book A trade paperback That you would like Covered here on the podcast Please do get in touch with us There are a number of ways To do that We have Seomrabeug.com S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G Dot com Means tiny room in Irish It does indeed um, you can get in touch with us there and keep up to date with everything we're doing on the podcast if you're more of a casual social media user you can find us on Instagram get on the Insta give us an L follow get on give the Insta follow. get on the Insta and send that over if you enjoy some strange video content you can find us over on YouTube Dot com. Haven't uploaded a lot recently. <laughs> Haven't done a lot recently, but we have some good classics on there as well. If you want to see me awkwardly interviewing people in good costumes, yeah. head on over there and give it a give Maybe it a Maybe someone will be Jean Grey. I don't think there is, though. I don't think there is, though. Um, and uh, that's it from us this week, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to you again in the future. Bye. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> sexy mind control. Oh, I thought you were going to stop. No, I, I, you're the stopper. <laughs> you're the stopper.